today's meditation for this hour is going to be a little bit of a mish, mishma, mishmash uh, of a couple meditations. You know, this is these spiritual exercises are made for one month, so it's kind of difficult to put one month, squeeze one month into three days. You know? So I'm going to take a little bit of everything and put it all together. Uh, as you know, it's kind of spiritual exercises, kind of like a big circle. Starts off with God's love what he's done for us, how much he loves us. And we start to think about the fall of the angels, you know, the sin, the action of sin. That's what we're going to be talking about now. Sin and then the effects of sin, which is eternal separation from the Lord. So that's where we're going to be going. We're going like, we're going downwards. This is, this should be like the low point. But before I get into this, every meditation St. Ignatius says that we should ask for a grace. What's the grace that we're going to ask for? Sorrow for our sins. All right? This meditation is not supposed to lead us into despair. We're not, I'm not, I'm not here to, to holler at you. I'm not here to, 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 to you know, to, to, to send you to hell. I'm not here for that, okay? We're just going to talk about the reality of sin in our lives. What's my sin? What's your sin? You know, and in these meditations, it's very, very important you know, that we realize that we're sinners. Right? We need to realize this. Why? Because if I don't realize that I'm a sinner, I'm never going to be grateful for a Savior. You know, it's very important. If I'm not a sinner, oh, yeah, in Spain, they have like this, you know, I don't know if there was so much here in, in the States, but in Spain, they always say, you know, Father, I don't have any sins. Father, well, I suppose they do that here as well. You know, Father, I don't have any sins. Father, I don't have. I just don't have any sins. You know, I am the immaculate conception. You know, I just don't have any sins. You know, and I tell you, we have more sins than we really know. All right. So what we want to do here, we want to ask for true sorrow for our sins, and we want to ask the Lord to give us light, so we see our sins, so we come to know our sins. So he, so we can see ourselves the way he sees us, all right? It's like we look into a mirror, and I see myself as he sees me. Now, this isn't easy, not even for the saints. Now, I'm, every time I, I say this meditation, I always like starting off with this quote from St. Augustine. St. Augustine, okay? St. Augustine, right? And in, in, his, in his, the book of Confessions, uh, book 8, chapter 7, number 16, he has this little paragraph. The context is more or less some of his friends are talking about now being chased, they're converting, you know, they're being good, and he's just like, what are these people talking about? And this is what he says. He says, he just had like, during the, the conversation of his friend, it's like the Lord just gave him a light, and this was like the light. And he says, you, O Lord, turned me toward myself, taking me from behind myself where I had put myself while unwilling to examine myself. And now you have set me face to face with myself that I might see how ugly I was, how decomposed and sordid, stained and ulcerous. I looked and I loathed myself but could not find a place in which to flee from myself. And if I sought to turn my gaze away from myself, you would again face me to myself and thrust me before my own eyes 
that I may discover my iniquity and hate it. I had known it, but acted as though I knew it not, overlooked it, and forgot it. It just, <laughs> I mean, I, I should just stop right now. You know, you could just think about this, right? This is St. Augustine, eh? This is the before St. Augustine, right? The before and after, right? Before, after, St. Augustine, right? Listen, everyone has to go through this. And look at it. If it's not going to be done in this life, my dear friends, it's going to be done on Judgment Day, right? On Judgment Day, we're going to see ourselves just as we are. So it's good to start to see ourselves now, you know, we're before the loving presence of God. We can ask our loving God to be kind of gentle. Just give me enough, to, you know, <laughs> just give me just enough what I can take, Lord, but give me something that's going to impact me enough to change my life. Listen, look at me. I'm a priest. And most of if anyone here that does not know me, there was a point in time I had hair down to here, rock and roll, all this kind of stuff, Metallica, Megadeth, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was into all that. And all of a sudden, good old Mother Angelica, I was watching good old Mother Angelica one day, and all of a sudden, I flipped the TV on, and there was a finger pointing at me by a priest, and he said, if you don't change your life, you're going to hell. Click. <laughs> It's not talking to me, no. And uh, about f blessed reruns, about four or five days later, I was coming back from a bar, messing around with my friends, put the TV on, what happens? If you don't change your life, you're going to hell. The same finger, the same message, blessed reruns. I fell on the floor crying like, a, like Mary Magdalene with my hair over my face. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I promise I'm going to go to confession every week, and I'm going to Mass every week. I started with that. Was God bad by doing that? No, I was bad. God is good. I was bad. I needed to get hit over the head. I needed to be woken up. So when we think about this, you know, actually when we do our spiritual exercises, I love this part. This part is the, this is the, this is what makes me see what I am. What is in me? Look, if I can stand before God, I know I'm good. If I can't, I know I have to change. So this meditation is that. Am I able to stand before God? What makes me put my head down before God? I can't look at him. I have to recognize this, right? I need to know this. And if I don't know this, I'll never change. You know, if I'm like St. Augustine, you all oh, I knew it, but I'm just like putting it away. Just don't want to see it. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to have anything to do with it. No, 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 I'm going to distract myself. I'm never going to grow, never going to grow. I have to look at myself. So that's what this meditation is going to be about, right? It's not about God trying to be a big judgmental God that wants to condemn you and throw you into hell. No, it's just about knowing the reality of who he is, infinite magnificent love, who we are, his children. We are his children, but we are sinners. And it's we're here to go before him and say, okay, Lord, Show me what needs to be changed, all right? So we're going to start this way. We're going to just think about how sin started, all right? We start with the angels, all right? God created God in his great goodness, created the angels, all right? There was no, there was no, de there was no devil there. It was just the angels, right? They're all good angels. God created all the angels as good, all right? They say that the angels had to pass a test to make it into the beatific vision, 
And, well, there was some angels that just did not want to serve God. I will not serve. Oh, it's better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven, says Satan. No, I think it was Milton's work, no? Uh, and that's what it was like. They had to make their stand. Either they were going to serve God or they were going to serve themselves. And with that, a third of the angels have fallen. You can read that in Revelation. No, sorry, I have to get this closer. All right. So anyway, we're, that's where we're starting. That's where it all began. And now, when these angels fell, all right, they were turned into demons, devils. Now, God created man. He has a great plan for man. And now, the devil knew that God loved this man and God loved this woman. And God had a great plan for them. But by the envy of the devil, he knew that man was destined now to sit in all those abandoned thrones that the devils used to sit in up there when they were the angels. See, God had a great plan for us. And all of a sudden, this is where the temptation comes in. In the Bible, later at your time, you could read Genesis chapter 3, how man was tempted, right? It's good to read that, go over it, and see how the devil tempted man, how God was good, all the good things that God has done for man, how the devil started to come in there, and all of a sudden, you can be like God. If you disobey God, you can be like God. And it's our temptation right now. I want to be like God. I want to say what's right. I want to say what's wrong. I want to live my life the way I, 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 I. That's what it is. Kill the I. We all got to kill the I. No, sir. Your will be done. Not my will be done. Your will be done. All right? So anyway, the devil comes, tempts man. Man falls. As a result, Look what happens because of that one sin. Because of one sin, the devils are in hell for all eternity. One sin, man has been kicked out of paradise. And look at all the trouble, the sickness, the wars, the diseases, the hatred. Look at everything that is coming to the, uh, into the world because of our first parents' one sin. Now, St. Ignatius is something very interesting here. He says... Think about how many souls are in hell because of one mortal sin. And think about how many times you have committed a mortal sin over and over and over and over again, and you're still here. It's a lot of mercy. It's a lot of goodness, and that's a lot of mercy, and it's a lot of patience, patience on God's side, on God's side towards us. So it's something that we should think about. Dear Lord, what do I owe you? Why don't you say that question to the Lord? What do I owe you, Lord, for what you have done for me? What do I owe you? And try to listen into your hearts and see what the Lord has to say to you. What do I owe you? All right, now, when we know, we come to know a little bit of our sins, okay, when we make that little exa a good examination of conscience, you know, they, I think they said there's pamphlets back there for those who want to make a good examination of conscience, you know. Uh, St. Ignatius, Ignatius also says that we should try to look at our lives like in little stages, like try to look at your life when you were like from 1 to 10. You can remember things from back then, then go from like to 10 to 20, 
and from 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50. Try to like examine each like stage of your life and try to see like what sins kind of start to stand out in each one of those stages. You know, because we start, you know, we're innocent basically when we're young. We don't have any malice. We don't have any evil. No, not, I mean, we don't have any like malice in our hearts. We're, we're, we're touched by original sin. But little children, they don't have any like malice in their sins. But with time, you know, when we, when we continue to sin, the heart becomes harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. You know, the more difficult and more difficult to convert. So we have to kind of take a look and see where am I at now, but go back and try to take a look at each part of your life and see what has been kind of standing out. What has hurt me? What has caused me to sin? And what has done, am I chained, addicted to any kind of sin? Am I still sinning? Uh, something that I've, that I've done maybe 20 years ago and I'm still doing that same sin. Every time I go to confession, I'm confessing that same sin. Father, 20 years now, I'm still confessing the same sin. No, are we getting better in our fight against sin right when i start to see my sins right i have to also try to see what are the contrary virtues if i'm always i start with pride if i'm proud right what's the contrary virtue humility right so if i see that i'm proud i have to try to see okay i need to start putting acts of humility in my life i need to start to pray that god sends me humiliations Ooh. If I'm impatient, I want to be patient. Well, God's going to put you in situations that are going to make you, that are going to force you to be patient. Father, I need patience. Well, just get, get ready. Something's going to come. A bomb's going to drop because that's how you're going to learn to be patient. Father, uh, I'm really envious. Well, if you're really envious, well, you got to start to be benevolent. Mm, nope, can't say it. Benevolent. That's the word. All right. All right. I've got to start to be grateful for this and happy for the good things that I see in others. Because if God wants that person to have a good thing, that person is my brother or my sister. So I should be happy that that person has received something good from the Lord. The Lord gives me what I need. The Lord gives this person what they need. I should be happy for what the Lord has given me. And I should be happy for what the Lord has given this person. Purity. If I want to be purity, this is really kind of funny, huh? I want to be pure, Father. We'll get ready for thoughts and temptations to impurity. Just get ready for it. You don't think you're going to walk out of here, and there's not going to be one thought. You, you just think about it. You just, you just walk down the street, and you're going to see things. You, you open up your telephone. You open up an, an email, and there's things all over the place. All the temptations are going to be there. The thing is, just because you saw it and you don't want to see it, if I said, oh, Lord, I don't want to see this, and you turn your, your computer off, well, you fought the temptation, you conquer the temptation, and you're becoming more chaste. So what the thing here is, what the whole sin is, what are my sins? What are my predominant sins? What are the sins that normally start like the chain of other sins? Where do I, where does the devil normally get me, right? Where does he, when he studies me and he tries to tempt me, where does he always go? And because of that, I kind of start like, like the dominoes. He hits me here and that just makes me go down, 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 down. And I keep going downwards. So try to remember that as well. It's a very good exercise when you're alone. Now, when you're talking about 
repentance, like when you start, like, and this, I'm going to say this now, if any of you start to get into a, if you're starting to like to feel like you're falling into like despair in this, in, in this, in this meditation, if you're doing it well, all right, look, talk to me, talk to Father Dominic, because you're, it, like I said, this meditation is about to give you a healthy repentance for your sins. You want to see, I've sinned, I'm sorry for my, think of St. Peter. Right? You can maybe read that too in the, in the Bible. Look where, where Peter, when, when, uh, when Peter betrayed Jesus, you know, and then he wept, you know, he was really weeping. And you can, if you'd like to do it, you can make a little uh, comparison between how Peter repented and how Judas, well, fell into despair. Try to read, meditate between the two of those. What did Peter do? What did Judas do? God was ready to forgive them both. Why did Judas do what Judas did? Why did Peter do what Peter did? Where am I in that? Am I, do I have that kind of faith in the mercy and the love of God when I see my sins, when I sin? Do I take advantage of the sacrament of confession? Listen, when I hear confessions, I suppose Father Dominic can say the same things. You know, sometimes you hear such beautiful confessions. I mean, I listen to you guys, and I'm like, oh, man, this is like, like, whoa, man. You know, you kind of like almost want to like bow down before the person that's telling you their sin because it's just so humble. It's just so honest and so humble, and it makes you see the beauty in that person. Look, at, this is what the devil does. You know, he really wants to blind us. Look, at, we are sinners, but we are sinners that are loved by God. We are sinners that are loved by God, and we are sinners that God comes to us, and he raises us up. He divinizes us. He divinizes us. How about that? Sinners that become divinized. That's, that's our, our faith. When we receive the Eucharist, no, in a state of grace, God divinizes us. His life, his divine life, comes into our soul. So, you know, we have all the hope that we need. God forgives everything. God forgets. God starts. He flips the page, you know. He has a new chapter waiting for us. Nice, clean, blank page to do great things with us. So when we're thinking about all of this, you know, and we see what we do wrong, we see our weaknesses, we see what, where, where the things that we have to change, also remember that when I go to the Lord, when I make a humble uh, confession before him when I weep before him and it's good to ask that for the gift of tears you know ask for the gift of tears tears that purify 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 the heart you know uh, think uh, you're gonna, you can also read, you know, the, the repentant woman, you know, when she was really sorry for everything she did, you know, she was at Jesus's feet, she was kissing his feet, she wiped her feet, you know, uh, his feet with her hair, you know, and she, and Jesus said, you know, she's forgiven much because she loved much, you see, well, we, we need to know we're sinners, but there's an anecdote, uh, uh, antidote, no, and it's love. The more I love Jesus, the more I confide in Jesus, the more I'm willing to humiliate myself, to come closer to Jesus, to put myself at the foot of the altar, to go to him, to go to his heart, to go to Our Lady. If you're scared, go to Our Lady. You can't look at Our Lady and be afraid. You just can't. She's mercy. She's like the pure image of mercy. There's not a, she never, she's never going to holler at you. You can't even imagine her hollering at you, you know. She's going to take you to her heart. She's going to bring you closer to her heart. Look, and I found this. We were in a church the other day, and I saw this image of Our Lady. And it said, look deep into her eyes, and let her look deep into yours. Wow. All right? This is the Blessed Mother's peace plan for America, all right? And it's our peace plan, 
peace plan for ourselves. When I look into her eyes, when I let her look into my eyes, my heart, she will give me grace. She will give me the gift of her spouse, the Holy Spirit. He will give me peace. He will give me the strength that I need, no, to conquer myself, to keep going forward and forward and forward. All right, and this is what, this is another one here too, what true repentance is a definition for interior uh, repentance. It's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it's number uh, 1431. It says, interior repentance is a radical reorientation of our whole life. Right, you see? So when I see my sins, I want to repent. I want to rearrange, reorientate my whole life. It's a return, a conversion to God with all our heart. An end of sin, a turning away from evil with repugnance toward the evil actions we have committed. At the same time, it entails the desire and resolution to change one's life and hope in the mercy, or hope in God's mercy, and trust in the help of His grace. You see? So there's this positive, okay? I need to reorientate my life. I need to look at my sins. I need to hate my sins. Why? Because they're lies. My sins are lies. They don't give me anything good. Right? They promise everything and they give me nothing. They leave me bitter. They leave me empty. They leave me with a lack, a lack of dignity, etc., etc. It says, This conversion of heart is accompanied by a salutary pain and sadness, which the fathers called affliction of spirit and repentance of heart. So there's like a holy pain, a holy sadness, right? When you're repentant in the correct way, of course you're going to be sad. Of course you're going to weep. Of course there's going to be a, a pain in your heart for what you've done to this God who is so good, who loves us so much. You know, and when you feel that, it's not a bad thing. It's a gift, right? It's a gift. The one temptation that you have to worry about is hardening your heart right now. And you say, well, I, I tell you, the big, if you think about Jesus, if, think of, if you read the Bible and you see when Jesus really exploded, at sinners, it was against the Pharisees, the hypocrites. It's a hypocrisy. That is one sin that Jesus just does not have any tolerance for. Why? Because it kills the sinner. It kills the sinner. It does not, it, it closes the heart. No, I don't need you. I don't need your help. I don't need your repentance. I don't need you. And it destroys you. And that's why Jesus is always so hard to those who have that sin of hypocrisy. Because it closes you in on yourself. It doesn't help you to say, wow. You don't look at yourself and you say, wow, I need help. Oh, I'm, thank God I'm not like this guy. I do all of this. I do this, this, this. I do it all. But look at this guy. Don't even come near me. You know? When you start to get into that hypocrisy, that's when you're really blind and you just don't see what you're doing and you don't accept the mercy of God and you don't let yourself be healed. You don't allow yourself to be healed by God's mercy. So that's a good little reflection as well. Have, have I been a hypocrite lately? Sins of hypocrisy. How often do I fall into sins of hypocrisy? Um, Okay, just a little bit more. Okay, this is now, we're going to talk a little, the doctrine of hell, okay? Doctrine of hell. Catechism. It's not Father Henry's words, right? Catechism of the Catholic Church, right? This is number 
it's going to be one, uh, uh, 1,033, 34, and 35, okay? And this is what our catechism says about hell, right? I mean, it's, it's really well, it's really well written as well. It says, we cannot be united with God unless we freely choose to love him. Right there, meditation. I cannot be united to God unless I freely choose to love him. God will not force you to love him. He wants your love, but he wants you to freely love him. But we cannot love God if we sin gravely against him, against our neighbor, or against ourselves. To die in mortal sin without repenting and accepting God's merciful love means remaining separated from him forever by our own free choice. This state of definitive self-exclusion from communion with God and the blessed is called hell. Jesus, Jesus often speaks of Gehenna, of the unquenchable fire reserved for those who to the end of their lives refuse to believe and be convert, converted. Hmm? And to those, Jesus will be, it just says, uh, uh, where both soul and body can be lost, Jesus solemnly proclaims that he will send his angels and they will gather all the evildoers and throw them into the fiery furnace and that he will pronounce the condemnation. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire. The teaching of the church affirms the existence of hell and its eternity. You know, just the other day when I was in Spain, there was a lady talking to me. She was talking about hell. And she said, I know people can get out of hell. No, they can't. Yes, they can. No, they can't. <laughs> yes, they can. No, they can't. <laughs> I stopped talking about it. You may be thinking about purgatory, but no, hell no. If you're in hell, you cannot come out, right? And actually, there was a heresy about that, the apocatastasis, I think it was called in Greek, meaning that the time will come where the Lord will just let everyone out of hell, and that was been condemned. It's heresy. It's not going to happen. If you're in hell, it's forever. Immediately after death, the souls of those who die in a state of mortal sin descend into hell where they suffer the punishments of hell, eternal fire. The chief punishment of hell is eternal separation from God in whom alone man can possess the life and happiness for which he was created and for which he longs. The saints, let's see what the saints have to say about hell. Okay, and there's some good ones here. I mean, this is, I don't want to depress you guys. <laughs> don't get depressed with it. But it's good to know that, look at, this is also, look at, this is good. Remember, when you're doing this, this is not only for you, eh? This is for the people that you're going to come into contact with. Right? So the things that you're learning here is not just for you. Everything that you learn here is something that you're going to be able, you know, it's like a weapon that you're going to be able to use for people that you're going to know in the future when they start telling you, no, hell doesn't exist, et cetera, et cetera. Well, anyway, look at Sister, I'm going to give you Sister Faustina. She says um, God permitted her to see hell, right? I think this is in her diary 741. And she starts to say, Today I was led by an angel to the chasms of hell. It is a place of great torture. How awesomely large and extensive it is. The kind of tortures I saw were the first one. The first torture that constitutes hell is 
the loss of God. The second is perpetual remorse of conscience. The third, one's conditions will never change. The fourth, the fire that will penetrate the soul without destroying it, a terrible suffering since it is purely spiritual fire lit by God's anger. Fifth, continual darkness and a terrible suffocating smell and despite the darkness, the devils and the souls of the damned see each other and all the evil, both of the others and their own. Imagine that, just to see all the evil acts for all eternity, forever and ever and ever. Sixth, the constant company of Satan. Seventh, horrible despair, hatred for God, vile words, curses and blasphemies. These are the tor tortures suffered by all the damned together, but that is not the end of the sufferings. The souls in Fatima, not the souls, the souls in Fatima, the little, the little shepherds in Fatima, which is what they did there. It's Our Lady, you know, I think about this. These are little, little children that Our Lady actually, Our Lady. So if somebody says to you, oh, it's not good to talk to little children about hell, you're going to scare them, which is Our Lady who showed little children that were, I think, seven, nine, and 11 at the time about the reality of hell. She showed them hell. And this is what she says, Saint, uh, Sister Lucia. She opened her hands once more, as she has done the two previous months. The rays of light appeared to penetrate the earth, and we saw, we saw it, and we saw, as it were, a vast sea of fire. Plunged in this fire, we saw the demons and the souls of the damned. The latter were like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, having human forms. They were floating about in that conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames which issued from within themselves, together with great clouds of smoke. Now they fell back on every side like sparks in a huge fire, without weight or equilibrium, amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fright. It must have been at this sight which caused me to cry out as people say they heard me. The demons were distinguished from the souls of the damned by their terrifying and repellent likeness to frightful and unknown animals, black and transparent like burning coals. That vision only lasted for a moment, thanks to our good Heavenly Mother, who at the first apparition had promised to take us to heaven. Without that, I think that I would have died for terror and fear. Mm. St. Teresa has another one. I won't read it. St. Teresa of Avila, just to mention this, God showed her her own place in hell. St. Teresa of Avila. You can read it, right? It's the Spirit, if you want me to read it, I can read it. But God showed her her own place in hell. And one thing I, when she said about all of this, the thing that really got me, she said that like the souls that they were in such like torment and, and anger that they were like ripping themselves apart. I mean, I, I just read that and I was trying to meditate on that and I said, dear Lord, dear Lord, dear Lord. One mortal sin. All right, examination of conscience. How many times do I fall into mortal sin? If you don't, you're blessed, all right? 
venial sins, they weaken us, they weaken us, voluntary venial sins, they weaken us, they weaken us, they weaken us, so eventually we, we fall into that mortal sin. So sin is bad, my dear friends, and this is what we need to understand. Sin is bad, evil. I cannot play with sin. I cannot make up those excuses in my mind. And this is how the devil plays with all the time. We always, he always gives us these little reasons to justify our sins. I can do this because. I can do this because. Uh, God can't possibly uh, be offended by this. This is what we have to remember. God is holy, holy, holy. He has nothing to do with evil. He has nothing to do with sin. He loves us, and he wants our hearts to fill them with his divine love, with his divine grace, with his beauty, with his truth, with his power, with his, with his Holy Spirit, and he wants to do great things with us. He wants us beautiful. And if you want to think about sin, you got this big, big statue of Our Lady right here before us, the Immaculate Conception, hail, full of grace, no sin has ever touched her soul, and she is the most exalted above all human beings. The Immaculate Conception. Ask Our Lady for that grace. Mom, help me to truly love that mystery of your Immaculate Conception. Help me to desire to be immaculate. I'm not going to be the immaculate in capitals, but help me to be at least a little immaculate. Right? Let me, give me get that cinnamon. Let me get that. And you are. Every time you go to confession, you know, you walk out immaculate. You walk out sparkling clean because God cleans the whole soul. His flood of mercy goes in there. He flushes everything out, and you're all clean. You're all clean. And then when you walk out there, now it's time for battle. All right? Remember, spiritual exercises. This is about being tough. Ladies! Gentlemen, this is not about not trusting in the love of God. You must trust in His love. You must trust in everything. Even if you see in yourself the worst possible condition you can see, you must trust that that can be changed. It can be changed. You look at the good thief. Until the end, he waited, and it was changed and saved. Now, I don't have to wait till the end. I can start now. Remember what I told you the other day with the lady with the Holy Communion, all right? She waited to the end, and God's mercy and love was with her all that whole time. But look at what she could have been if she started now. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time for me to convert. Not tomorrow. Now is the time to be holy. Young people, young people, you are going to be the apostles of the future, your holiness is going to be attractive. There is nothing more attractive. Well, let me, a holy young person, a holy old person, holy priest, holy nun, holy mom, holy dad. There is nothing more attractive than holiness. You know, Pope, I think Pope, Pope Francis, Francis said the other day, holiness or nothing. Holiness or nothing. Either holiness or nothing. Our, our hopefully future St. Clair said, Everything or nothing, which is the same thing. I think our Pope stole that from St. Clair. He must have been reading her bio. I think he got that from her. Everything or nothing, right? And St. Therese, the little flower. I can't be a half a saint. So the total saint or no saint. Now this one, I don't want to be scandalized, but it's not my words. It comes from uh, Leon Bloy. He's a French, I think it was like a French writer that, be, that converted. He says, any Christian who is not a hero, 
slash saint is a pig. <laughs> That's what he says. It's all the same thing. Any Christian who is not a saint is a pig. Think about that. Just think about it. If I am not striving to conquer myself and grow in love and holiness, what am I going to do? In the mud, in sin, like a piggy, that's what I'm going to do. So I have to be holy. There's no option. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, where are you going? Do you know that you're going somewhere? Do you know that you, your life is going to end? Do you know that? Are you convinced of that? And do you know that there's a loving God waiting for you at the end with his hands outstretched? This beautiful lady is going to be there. Are you preparing yourself for the wedding feast? I always like to say this, you know, with the girls and the, the young girls and the guys. You know, look at, could you imagine you just met somebody, you met the love of your life, and all of a sudden you just made a date. All right, I'm going to pick you up. Uh, uh, I'm going to pick you up on Saturday at 6 in the evening. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm talking, I'll use a girl as the example, okay? Okay, she's, the boyfriend is going to come at 6, but, you know, she has a lot of work to do at home, a lot of gardening to do. So she's doing her little gardening things, you know, and she's getting all dirty. She's working hard. She's kind of sweaty. And, you know, she gets into her little beauty treatment. You know, she's got the cream all over her face. She puts the cucumbers on her eyes. You know, she's got the cotton between her toes and all that stuff, painting all her nails, all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, she hears ding-dong. She goes, who can that be? She walks over and she looks out the, in the little peephole there, and it's her knight in shining armor. <gasps> I can't open the door. He can't see me like this. <laughs> how, how is my soul, soul going to look? If, I'm, if the Lord calls me today, how, how am I going to look before him? Listen, I was reading this the other day. This happened, I think, about seven years ago. I just saw it on the, on the internet. It was a story. It was a, a true story. It, was, it happened in Colorado. There was a girl. She was 18 years old. She went out to pump some gas. She was going to get gas for her car, and she was going to go out with some friends later on in the evening. And as she was standing there pumping gas into her car, another truck kind of like rolled into the gas station. It hit the pump. It pinned her against uh, her car. She started like to scream because now everything started to explode, and now there was fire. She was covering her face. She goes, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And then, boom, it blew up, and she died. It's a real story. It was, I read it on the news. It, was a real, it just happened about 11 years ago. I have the name. I just don't have it with me. We don't know when it's going to come. We don't know when it's going to come. We just don't know when that moment's going to come. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I got a lot of time left. You don't know if you have a lot of time left. Am I ready to stop? Look at In this meditation, really, ask God to give you that grace to see sin as a lie. That sin is a lie. It's a lie. In any form that it comes, it's a lie. It will never make me happy. It can give me a psychological buzz for a little while. It can give me a little bit of pleasure for a while. But in the evening when I'm sitting on my bed thinking about the Lord, empty. It goes away. It goes away. And not only does it go away, it makes me want more and then more and then more and more. And next thing you know, I'm a slave. I'm a slave to it. I'm a slave to sin. I'm not free anymore. I'm not free to love. Now all I'm doing is looking at myself, what I want, what I want, my needs. I got to get this. I got to be happy. I'm searching for this. I'm going for this bubble. I'm going for that bubble. I'm going for this one. And they're breaking and they're breaking and breaking. And my whole life goes by and I've got nothing. Nothing. What am I going to show? What am I going to show the Lord? 
You know, all of you, it's never too late, you know. Right now is the time of conversion. Right now is the time to say, Lord, here I am. Use me now, Lord. Whatever my past is, I abandon it all into your mercy. Now it doesn't exist. My future still doesn't exist. You're going to take care of that. I'm here with you here and now, Lord. I'm ready to give you my heart, all of it. Help me to do your will. I know the battle is going to be there. The struggle is going to be there. But what are you going to do? I'm going to go back to confession. And this is what happened to me. When God started to say to me, you got to change your life or you're going to hell. You think I just popped up, I went to confession, and all of a sudden was good? No. When you live a life of vice, you don't just live a life of virtue all of a sudden after one confession. you got to work on it. I'd go to confession on, on, on Saturday evening, go to Mass on Sunday, and I'd be in sin on Monday again. <laughs> and Monday, and Friday. I'd go to confession on Friday, go to Mass on Sunday, then Monday I'd be in confession again. And sometimes people say, oh, wait, nothing's going on there. Oh, yes, something was going on there. Because every time I started to sin after that confession, I felt worse. And every time I started to commit a sin after that, I started... Uh, you know, you start to lose that ease. I don't like, uh, I shouldn't be doing this. Now the conscience starts to awake. And every time I just start to feel like God was always giving me that caress, he loves me in confession, and I'd fall back into sin, bam! I'd be giving him a slap in the cheek. Then I'd go back in confession, he'd be giving me a confess, how much I love you, my son. I'd fall into sin, bam! I'd hit him again. And I couldn't take that anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. You can't live a double life. Then I was in the back of the church one day, ready to go to confession, and I said it to the Lord. I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I can't go to church, hear all these things. I can't look at you nailed to the cross, and all of a sudden go out of here, and all of a sudden go back to sin. I can't live a double life anymore. Lord, change me. If you don't change me, I'm not coming back anymore. I can't live like this. And boom, that confession, I think the Lord gave me a special grace. I walked out of there a changed man. So I personally believe in the power of the sacrament of confession. And I believe that God can give miraculous graces in the, in the sacrament of confession. Eh? I believe in it because I've experienced it myself. And the church says it. You can walk out of the conf confessional with spiritual consolation. It's something that the church teaches. Spiritual consolation. So never doubt the mercy of God. Even when we feel we're at our worst, it's almost that's when we're at, it got, it's God's victory. You know, when we feel that we're at our worst and our lowest point in our lives, usually that's going to be God's victory because he comes in to that brokenness, that utter brokenness, and it's there that he starts to stretch out his hand. He goes, my son, my daughter, I'm here for you. I've always been here for you. Don't doubt me. Come with me. I can make things better. Amen.